Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 14 through 20 today. Luke chapter 22. The title of the message this morning is, Lest We Forget. These words are often used to remember the sacrifices of soldiers who have given their lives in battle. It's good to remember those sacrifices so that we don't take our freedoms for granted. It's right to honor their memory. Before the term, lest we forget, was used in reference to soldiers and war, it was first used in a poem by Rudyard Kipling called Recessional. It was written to commemorate Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee in 1897, her 60th year as queen. The phrase occurs eight times in the poem, and it's repeated at the end of the first four stanzas in order to emphasize uh, the dangers of failing to remember. Let me just read the first stanza of Kipling's poem. God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses reminded Israel that they were a great nation, and he encouraged them to do four things. First, to keep, uh, diligently, uh, diligently keep their, their soul, to take care of their soul. Second, to remember the blessings of God that they had seen. Third, to treasure them in their heart, and fourth, to pass them along to the next generation. The context of that Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7 is, is that of uh, giving the law. And I read, For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all his law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Isn't human nature strange? We forget the things that we want to remember, and we remember the things that we ought to forget. Those people that we have forgiven because they said something or did something that really bothered us, we keep we say, I, I forgive you, and I forget it. But we remember it every time we see them. <laughs> and we forget the things that we should remember. We're, we're prone to forget what God has done for us in the past. Jesus knew the tendency that we have to forget things. And so when he ordained the Lord's table, he did so with elements, with a picture that would help us to remember what he did for us. Last Sunday morning, I started the message by saying, according to Baptist polity, there are two offices in the local church, pastors and deacons, and we went through that section in 1 Timothy 3. We also believe that there are two ordinances that Jesus, Jesus left to the, to the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We, we refer to them as ordinances, not sacraments. Sacraments are those things that uh, our men believe bring God's grace in their observance. We practice these ordinances because Jesus ordered them, ordered us to practice them. 
If you haven't been baptized after salvation, I can say with the authority of the scriptures that you ought to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I can also say with the authority of scriptures that as a church, we're to regularly observe the Lord's table. This is not something that is optional. Uh, I don't have to really do this, do I? Yes, the Lord has ordered it. He's ordained it. It's an act of obedience. We practice it here every month. This morning, I'd like us to look again at Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, to tell us about this ordinance. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will, not eat, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. We observe the Lord's table as a body of believers, as a, a local church, lest we forget him. The Lord's table is for believers. In verse 14, we began, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Notice the number is twelve here. Judas was there at the start of this evening. His feet were washed along with the other eleven apostles. He ate the Passover meal with the other eleven apostles. But when Jesus shared the, the meal of the new covenant, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, Judas was not there. He had already been dismissed as Jesus turned to him and said, What thou doest, do quickly. And he went out to betray the Lord. And Judas, according to the Lord's high priestly prayer in John 17, was called the son of perdition. He was lost. The Lord's table is an ordinance that was, that was established among those who were genuine believers. The church. Among believers, there are different opinions about who should partake of the table. There are some churches who practice closed communion. That means only the church members that belong to that church are allowed to partake of the elements. Other churches practice open communion. All believers present may participate. Some like to use the phrase close communion. Only those who are saved and in fellowship with the Lord are allowed to participate. This seems the most biblical view in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the passage that we read at the, at the Lord's table. There's a warning specifically for Christians who eat and drink of the, of the table unworthily. Paul says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. The word unworthily is literally out of balance. That is... Our life doesn't balance up with the testimony that we proclaim to know Christ, that we're in fellowship with him. And so the warning is to make sure that the picture is clear in your own life. How do you do that? You, you examine your heart, 
You ask yourself, is there anything out of character with God's, what God's saving grace does that's going on in my life? And, and then I, I make those things right with the Lord before I take of the elements. We observe this as believers. We observe this as believers as a church, lest we forget him. The end of verse 19, this do in remembrance of me. Jesus wants us to remember him. As we, as we have the Lord's Supper on a monthly basis here, whenever you do, think of him. Think of what he's done for you. Not only historically done for the church and dying on the cross for their sins, but think of what he's done when you trusted him as your savior. Think of the good things that he's done. He's provided for you all through your life. He's answered your prayers. He's shown you mercies and faithfulness each day. Think about him during this service, lest we forget him. We also do this lest we forget his willing sacrificial death on the cross. In Luke twenty-two fifteen. with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's an interesting word here. He had a desire to do the Father's will. In the face of suffering, he mentions that suffering, before I suffer, in knowing what was ahead of him the next day, Jesus has this desire to share the Passover meal with the disciples. He has this desire to institute a meal to remember him. The word desire is, is a, a word that means a burning passion, a longing. He uses it here as a noun and a verb. With desire, I have desired Jesus had, had this longing, had this passion to celebrate the Passover meal. That was the sign that was given to Israel that pointed to the Lamb of God who would put an end to all the sacrifices at the altars of the Old Testament. Once and for all, he would go to the cross. He would finish the work of salvation. That's why he came, to fulfill the Father's will. In Hebrews 10:7. He's quoting from Psalm 40, verse 7. And Jesus said, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. He came to earth to complete the Father's plan of redemption, to obey the will of the Father. Within hours, he would be struggling in that garden prayer Praying to the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. That is the cup of all the transgressions of all the sins of the world. And in that garden prayer, he surrendered to the will of the Father by saying, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Doing the Father brought him delight. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What an interesting phrase. The writer of Hebrews uses, doing God's will will bring you delight as well. Desire and delight are very clear in this, in this observance that we have in, the, in, in Christ obeying the Father's will. You'll never get to the place where you can truly rejoice until your desires have become God's desires. That is, you're doing his will, what he desires. The writer of Hebrews tells us to keep our eyes on him as we run with patience the race that's set before us. 
And in verse 2 of chapter 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right, at the right hand of the throne of God. In the Old Testament, God instituted the Passover so that Israel would remember their deliverance out of Egypt. You've read that passage before in the Old Testament. And as you study the covenants in the Old Testament, you'll find that a promise when it's made between two parties is often completed by eating a meal together. Sharing a meal is a sign of fellowship after that covenant, after that promise has been made, that agreement has come to. The tradition of, of sharing a wedding cake goes back to that same practice. Promises are made and a meal is eaten to, to celebrate that promise. At the first Passover, God promised to spare the firstborn son. The, the lamb, the sacrificial lamb's blood, was applied to the doorposts and lintel of every home. And the Passover lamb was eaten within that house. The Lord's Supper is not the Passover meal. It wasn't when Jesus was uh, observing it with his disciples here in Luke. But it, it came after the Passover meal was observed. This is a transition between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus instituted the Lord's table. It's called the New Testament or the New Covenant. In Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. We find that same wording in the passage in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. The cup is the New Testament in my blood. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was the law. It showed us our sin, but it could do no more for us. It couldn't save us. The new covenant is a covenant of grace. It does what the law could never do. The new covenant saves us from our sin. And Jesus ratified or he validated that covenant, that new covenant, with his blood. The same night, Jesus would be taken to Pilate's judgment hall. There he would be beaten, he would be mocked, he would be spit upon, a crown of thorns would be driven into his brow, his beard would be pulled from his face, and the next day between noon and three o'clock in the afternoon, he'd be dying on the cross of Calvary. The Lord's Supper does not commemorate the Old Testament Passover. The Lord's Supper commemorates Calvary. It reminds us of his desire, his willingness to do the Father's will. It reminds us of his delight, his joy in doing the Father's will and accomplishing our salvation. The elements are symbols of the body and the blood of Christ. Some churches today that, some churches teach today that those elements will change into the actual body and blood of Christ miraculously during the service when the priest utters the words, this is my body. If so, then Jesus is offered as a sacrifice anew every time that the Lord's table is given. In the Encyclopedia Britannica, I read, in the Eucharistic prayer, the church asked God the Father to send the Holy Spirit upon the bread and wine on the altar so that by his power they may become the very body and blood that Christ offered on the cross. 
That change having occurred, Christ is offered anew to God the Father, and the church unites with him in that offering. Jesus only died once. The work on the cross was completed. All that had to be done for our redemption was done. He cried out, it is finished, meaning salvation's plan was accomplished. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Other churches teach that Christ's presence is mystically combined with the elements that you partake. We believe the elements are symbols. They're used to remind us of the Lord's body and of his blood. This is a memorial service. When Jesus said, this is my body to his disciples, that we read here in Luke 22, he was standing before them. He was offering them the bread that he broke in his hands. He wasn't offering them his flesh. The bread was symbolic then, it's symbolic today. This is a picture to help us, lest we forget. It's a testimony of something that has already taken place. It's a declaration of his completed work. Some of you have seen Civil War reenactments. Reenactments of the Civil War are supposed to show exactly what happened during that battle. The only one exception is the people that fight and die in reenactments, or fight in reenactments, don't die. They don't hope to. They simply reenact the battle. They're remembering the men who died. They're remembering the, the weapons that were used and the tactics that were used. A memory doesn't add or doesn't detract from the event. This memorial service today does not add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. It does not subtract anything that he did. It doesn't take away anything with regard to the efficacy of the sacrifice of Christ. It's a memorial. We do this lest we forget one more thing, his coming again. In verses 16 and 18, For I say unto you, I will not... Any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Two times in these three verses, Jesus refers to the kingdom of God as a future kingdom. When Jesus eats with us in that kingdom, all these pictures of fellowship will be fulfilled. We'll be forever with the Lord. When we're there, we'll be in perfect communion with him forever and ever into eternity. The disciples didn't know that Jesus was going to be crucified the next day. They were looking for his kingdom to be established on earth. Each of them thought they were going to have a part in that kingdom. And Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, would eat with them again on this earth. He broke bread with the two Emmaus disciples, remember? He was made known unto them in the breaking of the bread. But that wasn't his kingdom. The third time he appeared to the disciples after they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing, he told them to cast their nets on the other side, and they did, and they caught 153 fish. And John told Peter, it's the Lord. 
And Peter swam ashore, and Jesus invited the disciples, and what did he say? Come and dine. And he had fish already prepared on the fire for them. But that wasn't the kingdom. One day, we are going to sit at a table that is spread for us as the bride of Christ. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And on that day, the prophecy that Jesus made at the Last Supper will finally be fulfilled. The kingdom of God shall come. This morning, we're reminded again that one day we will see him face to face. We will dwell with him forever. Let's observe this ordinance this morning as Jesus told us, lest we forget him. Lest we forget his sacrificial and willing death that he delighted in doing the Father's will. Lest we forget that he's coming again. And every time we partake of these elements, I hope that is in your mind and in your heart. Maybe today will be the day he comes again. He will come again and receive us unto himself. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this picture, this symbol that you have left the church to commemorate your death until you come again. And I pray that as we observe this table this morning that we will indeed remember you, that we'll remember how you went to the cross willingly to die for us, that we'll remember that you promised to come again. And I pray that we will not neglect to observe this church ordinance until you come again. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.